and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is now the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Alan Doherty, clinical director at the Birmingham Prostate Clinic, and recently voted one of the UK's top 10 prostate cancer specialists in a national poll of consultant neurologists published in the Daily Mail. Alan has been an innovator, advocate, and dedicated practitioner of precision treatments for prostate cancer. And he joined the Focal Therapy Clinic last year to develop his expertise in delivering focal therapy. He's here today to talk with me about what he's learned in the last year. Alan, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, hi, Claire, it's an absolute pleasure. Let's jump right in because I think it might sound a little bit ominous to listeners that you know, you've only recently taken up focal therapy, but I think the whole idea is that you've been leading precision treatments for a long time, and this is you know, kind of like the frosting on the cake, as it were. So I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say about what made you take up focal therapy with the dedication and fervor that you plainly exhibited in the last year. The question could be, what are the influences which are out there which make people not look at this? Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose when uh, I worked in the NHS as a consultant urologist at one of the biggest trusts in the country, the focus was, was very much always to go for what are called established treatments like radical prostatectomy or radical radiotherapy. Uh, in other words, whole gland therapies where you treat the whole gland. And these are the sort of treatments that developed over a long period of time and really probably started when cancers were picked up much more advanced than they are now because PSA wasn't being used 20, 25, 30 years ago. And so people would present with very advanced cases, at least more advanced than they are now. And Mm. the treatments had to be more advanced. And that's Mm -hmm. where the word radical comes in. Think that you get a mindset. The NHS and the teaching that we had was all that, you know, if there's a cancer there, you either left it alone, which is sort of a bit illogical, because why did you find it in the first place if mm-hmm. you're not going to treat it? All you have to do, have is a discussion with a patient before you biopsy them and say, what would you do if I found a cancer? And the answer is nothing. And they think, well, why would I biopsy them? But mm-hmm. to the other extreme where you say, well, if I find one, uh, then you know we must treat it aggressively and achieve as high a curative percentage as we possibly can. It's sort of illogical. It doesn't really make sense because... Not now, anyway, because now that we're picking a lot of cancers much earlier than before, these cancers are often cancers that don't grow very quickly. Mm -hmm. They're often only in one part of the prostate. And treatments that treat the whole gland have quite a lot of side effects. And you think, well, why not just treat the abnormal area and then monitor the situation? And I think what's been a huge eye-opener to me is that the mindset that comes with whole gland therapies is that it doesn't really matter where the cancer is. As long as you find a cancer, you can then just treat the whole gland. Whereas when you start doing precision treatments, you need precision diagnostics. And that means really high quality MRI scans and really high quality biopsy information. Mm -hmm. And it's just a completely different mindset. And I have found it absolutely incredible talking to colleagues who've been doing this for a long time, how much more information they're getting than they Mm. need Mm -hmm. to be able to advocate. And and a lovely expression is with an MRI scan is, can you rule things in or can you rule things out? And for that, you need a high quality scan. So the machinery and the the sequencing has to be good. And then you have to have a high high quality radiologist who actually knows what they're looking at. And the variation has been outstanding. I mean, amazing. I, I just can't believe how much variation in reporting there is out there. Yeah. Um, really quite remarkable. 
to the point where you know you start doubting things when you read a report you think well is that right or is that wrong and there's mm-hmm. you know i need mm-hmm. to get this reviewed by an expert mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's interesting so, because um we've talked before about variability on and a whole range of the steps along the pathway in fact we've recently blogged about it at the focal therapy clinic and i guess i'm wondering if you've seen that variability you know on the increase as it were during the pandemic and you know, I guess my question was, you know, building this expertise in focal therapy during the pandemic must have had its challenges. Is that one of them? Or are there others that you've seen that's impacted your practice and your patients? Even though I practice in Birmingham, the radiologist that I really trust works in London with the focal therapy clinic. And, you know, I've been amazed that patients are prepared to travel all the way from Birmingham on my recommendation <laughs> to have the best MRI scan around. And, mm-hmm. and they do, do despite COVID, they are prepared to do that, to go. So there is an appetite to be managed properly, even if it's to the point of traveling 80 miles to, to get the best scan. So I don't think COVID has necessarily impacted on you know, my perception of how patients want to be treated. And, you know, I, in some ways, what it allowed me to do, because we were a little bit quieter, is spend more time digesting the treatments and thinking about it and, and doing the treatments, because all this takes quite a long time to set up hospitals in, uh, in the Midlands that they can offer it. That, that takes quite a lot of effort. And so, you know, we now have two hospitals in the West Midlands, which can offer this. And, and that's really been a great move forward and I think great for our patients. Do you find as well that the patient experience has shifted in that patients are more vocal about the side effects, for example, their sexual urinary mental health? What do you think we can learn from them that will help us improve prostate cancer management for all men? They have to ask themselves, the question is how important is sexual function to them? Because if it's very important to them, Focal therapy is probably the only treatment that reliably preserves sexual function. Mm -hmm. Um, And although it could be argued that removing the prostate is a better curative treatment, some people are prepared to offset that slightly better outcome to maintain their quality of life. And that's a discussion, you know, it's a grown-up discussion to Mm -hmm. say, what's the trade-off? And and that's the discussion I like to have with people because Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what the trade-off is, but I I know that that trade-off exists and and people are prepared to take it. And I think, you know, I think I would take it if I was eligible for that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, But everyone's different. And so understanding different people's personalities is part of the management of this condition. Not everyone is the same. Giving someone the right treatment for them and informing them so that they're properly counseled as to what's going on is, is the enjoyable part of my job. Mm-hmm. It's also what you know we all want to see, this uh, holy grail of personalized care, isn't it? Yes, exactly. No, exactly. But do you, in those conversations that you're describing with patients, are you seeing sort of a, a trend line of patients more interested in having that conversation and, and willing and able to, to process that information and make the right decision for them? Oh, definitely. And it's very sad when someone is not eligible for focal therapy because they read about the benefits of focal therapy and they're so disappointed when they're not able to have them. And, and that saddens me in a way because you think, well, you know, had you had your PSA measured earlier and had you had this diagnosed earlier, you know, you would have been eligible for this. So, I suppose the only upside, if the, as it were, is that, um, you know, you point them A in the right direction of treatment, but B, yes. you know, if they've had that conversation about the side effects, they can take that with them and be a bit more informed when they go into the appropriate treatment for them. Well, I think that's right. People like a realistic conversation and, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah. And, you know, it is always a bit difficult to disappoint someone when they've set their... Uh, no, of course, but what is interesting is we often hear from from men who will say, you know, no one ever told me but before well, they made a decision. It, it, and so I guess in this case, you know, at least having that counsel 
is informative. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. It's, mm. it's you know honesty, transparency is what people want, and you know that's hopefully what we can give them in the focal therapy clinic. So you know just because they contact us doesn't mean that they are necessarily going to be offered it, but at least they know they're going to have a, a very thorough consultation exactly. and assessment. Exactly. Exactly. We're we're definitely seeing that. In fact, you know one of the questions I wanted to explore with you was just based on the observation that we're at such an interesting time where, where patients are getting more informed. I mean, you've just described that a bit with your own patients. And we've certainly seen that. And equally, the technologies, both diagnostically and and treatment wise, are improving so much. So do you see that as driving focal therapy forward? You know, what do you see as the future for for focal therapy? I think we're going to get more and more consultants who have been set in their mindset, starting to open their minds to say, well, I get it now, because if we pick up an early prostate cancer, for example, instead of just monitoring it, why don't we just treat it? Because that's got to be better than just waiting for it to become a more dangerous cancer. And, Indeed. you know, a lot of our work is second opinion. So the consultants who are seeing them in the NHS will get to hear about the treatments they've chosen and that, that will make them sort of interested in it. In fact, I've, I've heard of people looking at research into focal therapies with, with radiation, for example. Uh, and so the whole concept of a focal therapy um, is, is becoming on the agenda now. Mm. As, mm. As, as, I mean, what, what's the percentage, Claire, now for London? I mean, the, the percentage of people having focal therapy for, for an early prostate cancer in London is something like 30% or something like that. It, 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 it's quite a high number. I, mm-hmm. I heard this the other day. It's remarkable how in London it's really taken off, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to spread out into the rest of the country. Mm, I mean, I, I, you know, again, there's the sort of patient knowledge enhancement part of it, you know, more and more people doing their own research and, you know, whether you call it Dr. Google or whatever, you know, I think there's, we're, we're certainly seeing that because of course people find us by, you know, going online. So that would seem to be driving it in some ways, but. Um, it's, a bit, it's a bit sad that the patients have to, to do all this research themselves when they're actually talking to not only urologists, but also their GPs, you know, so, but at the moment it's, it's more patient driven. And I think what I can see it changing is I can see it being more, doctor-driven um, That's interesting. in the five years, yeah. I, I, I mean, mean it, do- what's interesting about being, you know, sort of pr- provider-driven, as it were, is that th- these different trends that are driving that, you've mentioned a few, you know, like, you know, patients coming from a second opinion and informing doctors, particularly regionally. But also, you know, you wonder from an economic point of view, patients yeah. who are treated with focal therapy and how that actually, you know, systemically impacts providers, you know, the, the, the NHS, for example, here in this country. But I, I've well, never actually seen any fully costed, study from a you know health system point of view on focal therapy i wonder if that even exists well no no, no have i i my, my my fear is that, that it actually would be quite expensive maybe that's what puts the nhs going that way because what you got to remember with the focal therapy is that patients need monitoring um, yeah. and that requires regular mri scans uh, and, and good quality mri scans as well so um you know it, it's not the the cheapest of treatments, but in a way that shouldn't really come into it because it yeah. should be what's best for the patient. Is of what course. That yeah. But I mean, overall, you're very bullish about the future of this treatment, both from a provider point of view and from yeah. a patient uh, point uh, of view. Oh, very much so. And I think it's not going to be just treatments like HIFU that do it. You know, there are new technologies because essentially what you're doing is trying to kill tissue where the cancer is and it probably doesn't matter how you do it uh, the good thing about high is of course is that it's just heat you know it's not 
long-term effects from radiation and, and it's very controlled and, and it's safe. And so, you know, it's going to be hard to beat the ultrasound wave. I mean, you know, there are other technologies using electrical energy, you know, nanonife and all this sort of stuff and cryotherapy. So there are lots of different ways of doing focal therapy, but, you know, the, the HIFU is, is probably going to remain the mainline focal therapy modality, I suspect. Well, listen, Alan, it's been really fascinating hearing your um, comments, and um, I'm sure our patients will find this even more interesting to, you know, spoken from someone who's kind of climbed a very steep learning curve, but with incredible dedication and very clear engagement with their patients. So thanks very much for sharing that with us. Absolute pleasure, Claire. Lovely to talk to you as ever. Further information on Alan and his clinical practice is available on our website, along with a transcript of this interview and additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time. <music>